Welcome to the online sermons at King Street Church. Feel free to listen or watch online at kingstreetchurch.com. We're located at 162 East King Street in the heart of Chambersburg, PA, and would love to see you in person at one of our five Sunday services. We certainly hope you enjoy this morning's message. Morning, church. Those of you here in Baker, gathered over in the sanctuary, maybe you're watching online somewhere else in the world. I want to ask you, are you the kind of person that likes to uh, go to the end of a book before you read the whole book and see what happens? Are you, are you one of those? No, mo- most people aren't. They like to, you know, be surprised as you make your way through the book and not jump to the end. But I want to tell you that uh, as followers of Jesus... Uh, there are times we need to be reminded of the end of the story because we, we have the end of the story. We know the end of the story. We just here in Baker sang the Revelation song. I know you sang it over in the sanctuary as well. It's called the Revelation song because it's right out of Revelation chapters 4 and 5. And we need to be people constantly reminded of Revelation chapters 4 and 5. John, the apostle who wrote the gospel, was up in his 80s, maybe 90s. He's exiled as a prisoner on an island called Patmos, just off the coast of, uh, of, of western, modern-day Turkey. We know exactly where it is. And there he was, and he says, it was a, it was a Lord's Day, early on the Lord's Day, and he said, uh, after this, he said, I looked, this is Revelation 4, and, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here and I'll, I'll show you what will take place after this. He said, after this, I looked and there before me was a throne. And the one who sat on it had the appearance of jasper and carnelian and diamond and a rainbow resembling an emerald encircled the throne and 24 elders bowed down before him and they said, you alone are worthy, worthy, worthy to receive honor and glory and power. And then, John says, I saw in the right hand of of the Father sitting on the throne a scroll writing on both sides, sealed with seven seals. And I, I saw a mighty angel, he says, proclaim in a loud voice, who's worthy to, to break the seals and, and read the scroll? Nobody in heaven and on earth or under the earth could open it or even look. And I wept because nobody could read it. Nobody was worthy. Then one of the elders looked up and he said, oh, oh don't, don't worry, don't weep. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and open its seals. And then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain. And this is when John, in this vision, sees Jesus. And he said, when he had taken, this lamb had taken the scroll, the elders fell down before the lamb, each with a harp, and, and they hold, held golden bowls full of incense. Get this, these bowls are filled with the prayers of God's people. You want to know where your prayers go? They go right before the heavenly throne as, as prayers of incense before 
God our Father, and then they sang. Listen to the song they sang. You are worthy. We just sang it, didn't we? You are worthy to take the scroll, to open its seals, because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased for God people from every tribe, language, and people, and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God. Church, that is the everlasting story. That is the never-ending story that we are a part of. We need to be here today. We need to be listening to this today to be reminded of the end of the story, don't we? Because we get so caught up in the middle of the story and, and we're not, you know, we, we, we think we are uncertain of how it will end. Oh, we're not uncertain. We know how this story ends. And it ends with this song that ties two things together. One is the cross of Jesus. The Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. The cross and the blood of Jesus that purchased people from every tribe, tongue, language, and people all around the globe. It connects the cross with world evangelism. The cross with the upper story of what God is doing. And with that in mind, turn with me to John 12 because this is exactly what happens in John 12. It is exactly what Jesus is describing in John 12, verses 20 to 36. This is immediately on the heels of, uh, of Palm Sunday, where Jesus rode in um, and, uh, and, and comes in as the king uh, into Jerusalem. And uh, it's called the triumphal entry. And right on the heels of that, we have verse 20 down to 36. Let's look at it. Now, there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival of the Passover. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida up north in Galilee, right along the shores of the Sea of Galilee. And they had a request, these Greeks. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. What a great request. We want to we meet Jesus. Philip, he, he, I guess, didn't feel like he had enough security clearance to make this request. So he goes and gets Andrew, who's also from up in that area. They're old friends. And then Andrew and Philip together then go to Jesus. And this sparks in Jesus a, a sermon, a response that isn't directly to the, the Greeks that ask for an audience, but it sparks this answer. He says, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it. While anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant will also be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Now, Jesus says, my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It was for this very reason that I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. 
And then a voice from heaven boomed out, I have glorified it and will glorify it. The crowd gathered there, heard it. They thought it was thunder or maybe an angel speaking to him. Jesus then said, this voice you just heard, it's for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. Well, the crowd spoke up. Oh, we've heard from the law that the Messiah will remain forever. How then can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is the Son of Man? Then Jesus said, you're going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. Whoever walks in the dark doesn't know where they're going. Believe in the light while you have the light so that you may become children of light. And when he had finished speaking, Jesus left and hid himself from them. What a great passage. And, and there's two main focuses in what I just read for you. One is the cross. He keeps, keeps talking about the cross. The Son of Man must be lifted up. Unless a kernel of wheat falls into the ground and dies. He's talking about his death. He's talking about the cross and how he would die by being lifted up on a cross. He also is talking about his world mission. He's talking about the upper story. He's looking beyond the cross to all people of all time, us included, who will hear this message of salvation in Jesus. He's talking about world mission, and, and this is exactly what happens here as we enter into this story. When you look at the two verses, right before verse 20, verses 18 and 19, right after the triumphal entry, we saw this last week, the Pharisees get together and they are just steamed because of the attention Jesus is getting. Again, this is Palm Sunday and, and what's happening in his triumphal entry, and, and they said to each other, look, this is getting us nowhere. This kind of letting him go on and on and not hanging him on a cross yesterday. And then they say this, look how the whole world has gone after him. I mentioned last Sunday, this is prophetic, because there is now a, a pivot in the gospel of John at this very moment. There really is. Because to this point, it has been all about Jesus and his disciples and Jesus and the Jewish religious leaders, the Pharisees. But now, Jesus turns to his greater calling, if you will, and that is to proclaim the good news to the whole world. How do we see this? Well, John lets us know that at that time, some Greeks, among those who went up to worship at the festival... They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee. Well, let me tell you kind of what's going on there. Uh, Jerusalem had a population of about 100,000 at the time of Christ. And they, uh, they had these festivals four times a year, and people would go up to Jerusalem. Three or four times a year, people would go up, and they would celebrate. Well, at Passover, we know that over 2 million people would generally come. And this is from Roman histories that talk about the crowds that would come into Jerusalem. Two million people. And they would be from all over the world. 
And this describes some Greeks who are asking to see Jesus. Well, let me explain a little more of that. Here's Jerusalem. Surprise, surprise, I'm showing a map. Uh, here's Jerusalem and Israel in the, in the modern, or the, I'm sorry, the ancient world. Over here is Greece. Right here is Greece. And, uh, and yet in the, in the 4th century B.C., Alexander the Great conquered most of the known world, or at least the middle part of the world uh, he conquered, and it was called Hellenism. He spread Greek language, Greek culture, Greek thought, the Greek gods. They were spread throughout most of the, the known world at the time, uh, at least through the lens of the Bible. And we have these people, not just from Greece, but those of Greek culture that are coming into Jerusalem because they're intrigued by the God of Judaism. You see, the, the gods of Greek, the pantheon of Greek gods and goddesses were many, right? All of these various gods and, and goddesses. And, uh, and there were many Greeks and those who were part of the Greek world that were interested in this one God, this God of of justice and God of love and, and the, the commands given. And they were drawn to, to worship or to at least check Him out. And many of those that would come to the Passover festival weren't Jews. They were Greeks and they were looking for hope. And in fact, what do they say? They said, we want to see Jesus. They're seekers. And not only are these literally from Greece, but they're from they're Gentiles. They're, they're from the world, if you will. In fact, this so speaks to exactly what Jesus said to Nicodemus way back in John 3, right? You know the verse, for God so loved who? The world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever, believe, whoever believes in him will not perish but have life eternal. For God didn't send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. This is pointing us so much to Jesus' greater mission on, on the cross. Because how would Jesus do this? How would He show His love to the world? By dying for the world. In fact, just a few earlier verses in John 3, Jesus said to Nicodemus, just as Moses lifted up a snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. That everyone who believes in Him will have eternal life. What is Jesus talking about way back here in, in John 3? He's talking about the cross. But more specifically, as we come to this passage in John chapter 12, He's describing His hour. The hour is what Jesus talks about. Jesus replied in verse 23 of John 12, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Now, he's not talking about one 60-minute hour. He's talking about this passion that is taking him to the cross. His hour equals the cross. It is his death and agony and suffering. It, it is his betrayal and his giving of, uh, of the Passover meal and communion. It is all of the agony surrounding the cross. That is his hour. And, and just so we know clearly, during the three years of his public ministry, 
Jesus knew that the hour of his death was looming on the horizon. It is why he came. He was fully aware of his hour, his hour, his passion, the cross. Look back at John 2. I'll put it on the screen here. When Jesus, in his very first miracle, turning the water into wine, and in his, he's at this wedding, and the wine runs out, and Mary says they don't have any more wine, and Jesus says, woman, well, why are you involving me? Well, Jesus said this because, what? My hour has not yet come. My hour is not yet come. Or, or look at chapter 7 of John. Jesus was teaching in the temple courts. He says, you know me. You know where I'm from. Talking about Nazareth and Galilee. He said, I'm not here on my own authority. But he who sent me is true. You don't know him, but I know him because I'm from him. See, I'm really not from Galilee. I'm from heaven. At this they tried to seize him, but nobody laid a hand on him. Why not? Because his hour had not yet come. Same true in chapter 8. You don't know me or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you'd know my father also. He's teaching in the temple courts when he said this, yet no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. His hour, his hour is his passion. His passion is his death, and his death is his cross. Verse 24, Jesus said, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, germinates, is, is really what happens. It, it's transformed and something transformative happens. It remains only a single seed, but if it dies, it produces, get this, many seeds. Jesus is talking here really all about the principle of multiplication. See, not only is he seeing the cross, but he's seeing beyond the cross, isn't he? He's seeing what will happen throughout all of time in the upper story. The principle of multiplication. And he uses the image of a kernel of wheat. Now let me just trade, kind of move that over to a, a kernel of corn. A kernel of corn. I've done some research on this and uh, some agronomy studies. Thank you very much. And I've, I've learned that if you take one acre of corn, there's a lot of it all around us. If you take one acre of corn and you generally would plant in the area of 25,000 kernels of corn in that one acre, Okay. And if every one of those kernels of corn that is planted, 25,000 of them, if every one of them germinated, and generally the yield is about 75 to 80%, but let's just say 100% of those 25,000 kernels of corn germinate. Do you know how many kernels of corn in one growing season would be produced in that one acre? It goes from 25,000, get this, to 21 million <laughs> in one acre. It's the principle of multiplication. You see, Jesus is talking here about his own life and, and what he came to do to die on the cross. But I want you to get this, guys. He's talking about us as well. He's, he's inviting us into the story. He, he does that. Look at verse 25. Anyone... Now he's, he's turning this on, on us. 
Anyone who loves their life will lose it. He's talking about living in the lower story just for the lower story, forgetting what's really ultimately going on. He said, if you love your life, in other words, if you build everything you, you do and love around this life of yours, you are going to lose it. Bam, loser. Sorry. <laughs> Couldn't resist. I was a youth pastor for 20 years. You are, you're going to lose it. If this is all you think there is, you have lost already. Because you've lost sight of the upper story. You are trapped in the lower story. While anyone who, and this is hyperbole, he doesn't say we need to hate our life, but he's, he's talking about contrast. Anyone who hates their life in this world. In other words, the person for whom this world is not the end all and be all will keep it for eternal life. You know what Jesus is talking about here? He's saying that we have to live lower story lives with an upper story mindset. This is what he's teaching us. We have to live lower story lives understanding the end of the story and the never-ending story. You see, the upper story ultimately is that we are to expect the greater reward. Can I ask you to write that down? Expect the greater reward. This is a mantra that we need to embed deep in our souls. We need to think about this in the choices that we make, in, in the way we live our lives. Expect the greater reward. Jesus says it here in verse 26. Whoever serves me must follow me. You've got to follow me. For where I am, and I really believe when Jesus says this, where I am, he's really now speaking to us from where he is right now, which is exalted in glory. For where I am, my servant, those who follow me, serve me, love me, will also be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. This is talking here about expecting the greater reward. Just two chapters later, Jesus says in John 14, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that weren't so, I would have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm going to come back. This is the upper story, folks. I'm going to come back and take you to be with me so that where I am, you also will be. This is expecting the greater reward. And then we come to verse 27. Verse 27. Jesus shifts gears here. And he says, now my soul is troubled. What I believe happening in the gospel of John, at this, I, I see this as a watershed moment in John. For everything up to this point, Jesus has been in conflict. But now, what does he do? He turns to the cross. And it's like a cold wind blows over his heart. Now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? 
See, up to the, everything, as I said, up to this point has been this conflict between him and the Jews and the religious leaders. And from this moment on, Jesus has his sights fixed directly on the cross. Father, should I, should I pray that this, this hour pass from me? Verse 29, he says, no. End of 27, 28. It was for this very reason that I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And then I love how we get a taste of the upper story. Even in this very moment, a voice thunders from heaven, just reminding all of us, right? Jesus said, this didn't happen for me. This happened for y'all, for yuns. Uh, this happened so that you would be reminded of the upper story, even in the moment. Oh, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. And then look at verse 31. Jesus says, okay, now is the time for judgment on this world. I think about what Todd Beamer said on 9-11, right? In the airplane, he said, all right, let's roll. Remember that line? Let's roll. And I, and I hear Jesus saying that right here, right now. As he fixes his eyes on the cross, he says, let's roll. Verse 32, for when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. That's what I'm doing. That is why I came for the cross and to, to shine the light of, of, of salvation, the gospel, to every dark corner of the world, to which the crowds, in verse 35, basically then say, what? No, not 35. Uh, where is it? They say, wait, what? Wait, what? <laughs> 34. Who, who, uh, who are you? <laughs> I mean, that's the, that's the question of, of the Gospels. The question of the world. Wait, what? Who, who are you? <laughs> and then in verse 35 says, you know, Jesus says, you're only going to have the light just a little while longer. I am the light of the world. And I love what he says next, verse 36. Believe in the light while you have the light so that you may become children of light. Believe in the light while you have the light so that you may become children of light. Nathan, we need to write a chorus about this right here. Believe in the light while you have the light so that you may become children of light. That's his message. It's his message to all of us. Folks, we have to live lower story lives with an upper story mindset. And I want to tell you right now, this is happening. Okay? This is happening. People are living into this all over the world right now as we speak. This is happening. Nobody can thwart what God is doing in this world. When we look at the end of the story, it is the end of the story. The story. That we are all in. I want to tell a quick uh, story just that happened this last week in my life that just brings this home, that reminds me of what God is doing to shine His light into the dark corners of the world. I, my, my daughter, when she went through high school, she just graduated from college, my oldest daughter. But back when she was in high school, she was involved in a lot of different areas of, of uh she was in this and that. She was very involved. She had a lot of friends, public high school, that 
didn't know the Lord. And one of her friends um, was a particularly um, kind of a positional skeptic, if you will. This friend of, of my daughter's was, let me start by saying she was brilliant. Like, I mean, National Honor Society, I think she either got a 35 or a 36 on her ACT. You don't know what that means, it's called perfection, all right? This gal was brilliant, and we prayed for her as a family. My daughter would talk about her, you know, and we'd have her in our home, and she was part of my daughter's friendship circle, but she did not know the Lord and was very, very vocally skeptical about church and Jesus and the Bible. But we began praying for her. We, we, and I'm not just saying that. We really prayed for this young woman a lot. She was on our prayer list as a family. Well, I, I want to jump the story. She, she left. She got a full ride. There were universities clamoring for this gal. She was great in science and math and all of, the, all of that. And they were clamoring. Full rides anywhere she wanted to go. And she chose uh, a particular university, State University in the Pacific Northwest. Fast forward now to three nights ago, two nights ago, two nights ago. We had a Skype conversation with this young woman because she was asking our family if we would support her because she's going to use this coming year on a state school campus, university campus, as part of a Christian ministry because she's going to be sharing Christ with people at this state school in the Pacific Northwest. Yes. She told us the story of how she went to, to this school, and the very first people that met her at her car door helped to help her get her stuff in, into the, her dorm room were from this Christian ministry. These students shining the light. And they showed her compassion, and they hung out with her, and they liked her, and she didn't have any other friends, and she was scared, and she just started hanging out with them, and and, and wasn't long before they said, hey, would you mind coming to one of our ga campus gatherings? And she said the other night, she said, I'm going to tell you right now, I only did it because I was going to prove them wrong. She said, I thought I was going to find out that they were really fakes, that they didn't really care about me, they just cared about their agenda, what they were all about. Walls were up. She said, throughout that year, I began to realize these, these were genuine people that loved me, and I enjoyed being with them, and, and, and I was starting to get my questions answered, and one of them asked me out to coffee, and we had coffee for the next three years once a week. She said, by my sophomore year, my heart was really opening to Christ and to truth and the Bible, and she said one day, they asked me, would you like to get baptized? She said, oh boy. And this is how she put it. I was very intrigued. She said, I knew that if I got baptized, she said, I was shutting the back door. Amen. Never heard it put that way. She said, I was shutting the back door. I was all in. No more questions. She said, I, I did it, and it was the most amazing moment of my life. And now here she is asking us to support her as she's taking the gospel 
And I'm going to tell you, this is a, a young lady that had grad school on her mind. Again, remember how? And I kept saying to you, this is her. Said, this is such an awesome sacrifice. But she didn't want to hear that. She's like, no, this is no sacrifice. Said, I, I, this is what I want to do. What is she doing? She is living her lower story life with an upper story mindset. That's what she's doing. And God is at work all over the world today, right now. We just had students in Haiti, thank you Jesus, they're home safely. You know what they were doing there? They were shining the light of Jesus. As children of light, they were becoming children of light to shine the light to other people. We just had 24 high school and middle school students all over Chambersburg shining the light of Christ. Listen to me, this is not addition, this is multiplication. It's happening all over the world, right here, right now. We know the end of the story. The question is, are you living your lower story life with an upper story and a never-ending story mentality? I'm going to ask you to bow your heads right here in Baker, over in the sanctuary, maybe in your home or your car right now. In fact, you might be a dollar general. I heard that that these services are broadcast into dollar general. Jesus. Jesus. I open my heart to you. I open my heart to you. I ask you to forgive me. Forgive me of my sin. Thank you for dying on the cross to pay the price for my sin, to shed your blood. Forgive me, Lord, for for living in the lower story and forgetting the upper story, for doubting, for worrying, for stressing. Forgive me, Father, for keeping my mouth shut too much, for not having the boldness to speak out, to step out, to not shut the back door. Lord, I want to run into your arms in full faith, knowing and believing, Jesus, that you are alive. We worship you right now, Jesus. We worship you. We give ourselves to you. You are our living hope. The chasm that existed between us and you has been erased. That's right. Thank you, Jesus. We hope you enjoyed this morning's message. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to contact us using our online form on our website at kingstreetchurch.com or by calling us here at 717-264-4651 during our regular business hours. Be sure to stop by and see us in person at one of our five Sunday morning services. We look forward to seeing you there.